Greetings and salutations. Welcome one and all. You are listening to Culture Bop Presents, the official pop culture and media discussion podcast of Culture Bop. Uh, we have got a great episode for you today. Um, this is episode two, and I am your host, the one and only Bebop Man, Josh McMullen, and I am joined by my co-host for this podcast, the one and only Gil Beasy, Mr. Gilbert Kitchens. How are you doing today, fine fellow? I've got my tissues. I've got my uh, Pedialyte to replenish my electrolytes from all the crying. I think <laughs> I'm ready to go. Well, good, because this is, uh, is going to be a doozy of an episode. Um, yeah, I, well, we'll, we'll get into it in a bit, but, uh, I was kind of rewatching the, uh, the like story bits of yeah. this last night and, uh, yeah, it's, uh, it is an emotional ride to say the least, but, Absolutely. um, yeah. So, uh, how you been, man? It's been about a week since we've, uh, been talking. So what's new, what's new with you? Oh, not much. Just uh, getting back to work and all that. I'm, I'm cutting caffeine this weekend, so it's kind of this dull, throbbing pain in my head all weekend. But so I'm kind of just keeping it easy. But uh, yeah. yeah, no, not, nothing too big new. Uh, I started playing uh, the new Far Cry this morning, but apart from that, oh. I'm not far enough I... into comment at all. But okay, yeah. Does it uh does it start out like um like the uh other Far Cries, uh well I I guess I should say from like four on where like you make your character and then you're introduced to like the main villain or whatever. Kind of yeah I mean it's 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 pretty typical Far Cry for the starting so far. Uh, you don't really make a character. It's just kind of a do you want to be the male or female version. Oh, okay. Um, but yeah no it's it's got that I didn't I wasn't bold enough because like all the other Far Cry games have this thing where they'll kind of tell you to run at the start of the game. And if you just mm-hmm. sit there and wait, then like the game will end. Like, uh, so like in far cry four, you're having a, you're invited to dinner with the dictator or whatever. Yeah. And you have a chance to escape and you escape and that's the tutorial and all that. But if you just sit and wait for him to come back, then it plays a cutscene and then the game ends and then it rolls credits yeah. and they've all done that. And I had a moment in six where I was like, I could, try this but i kind of don't want to deal with waiting for the credits and all that so i'll just go but yeah, oh, no, it's, it's a pretty stock and standard uh far cry so far but we'll see okay well fair enough uh i am i don't know if i'm i'm, I'm gonna get to it i i had wanted to and then uh i don't know there's just so much other stuff coming out and yeah. uh I, I just don't know if I'll have time for it, and uh, I've been reading like reviews on it, and you know it's just apparently more of the same. Which, you know, with Far Cry, I think is not necessarily a bad thing, because uh, you know that's what I play those games for. Right. But um, but yeah, I see it as kind of like a Saturday morning cartoon, and this is just a new season. Like I'm not expecting that set the world on fire. Just you know. It, it's more Just do thing. what you normally do. Yeah. <laughs> awesome. Well, you've been playing video games, and I have uh, been not doing that. Uh, I've been hard at work on this fucking video. It's just, it's taken me way too long to get this thing done. I'm really kind of upset with myself, to be honest with you. Uh, but yeah, that's 
literally like outside of work. That's the only thing I've been doing. So how long is the video? Times. I mean, uh, roughly. Uh, right now with the way that uh I've got uh the um footage in with the uh with the voiceover audio, it is right under thirty three minutes. Oh, but wow. I also have to add in um. The little stinger at the end, you know, the whole like, hey, like, subscribe, you know, yeah. that bullshit that everyone does. Um, so that'll probably add on like another like 30 seconds to a minute, maybe. Um, but uh, yeah, it's the longest thing that I've ever committed like any sort of like real time to. So yeah. that's fun. Huh. But uh, but yeah, fun times. Um well, with all the bullshit out of the way, why don't we go ahead and get started talking about this week's uh, entry into Culture Bop Selects, uh, 2017's uh, What Remains of Edith Finch. Um, you know, it's as if the uh, you know thumbnail and title of the episode haven't given it away already. Um, so... Yeah, uh, I guess the first thing that um, that I'll probably ask is what is uh, what is your first experience with uh, with this game? So this is a game I I let's see I think the first time I even heard about it was Giant Bomb did a quick look of it, um, and they played through uh, the, what it what, what's her name the the was Molly where she's going through the okay. different creatures. Mm-hmm. Um, played through that section and I thought it looked kind of interesting and I had never played any of the walking simulator stuff before this, any of that kind of genre. Uh, but I remember just one day, I can't remember if it was like added to game pass or I bought it on sale. Somehow I ended up with the game and I just sat down and played it and I just had an afternoon and I just kind of on a whim fired it up. I think I looked up the, how long to beat and it was only like two or three hours. So I was like, okay, you know, whatever, I'll, I'll try this. Um, and then I, I just sat there for some reason. I didn't sit on the couch. I sit on the floor in front of the couch for some reason. I have no idea why. I don't know. I don't know why I remember this, but I just sat there and played through the whole thing in one sitting. Um, and it was, it was, I mean, it was a great game and we'll get into that, but it was also kind of eye opening for me. Cause it was like, Oh, maybe there's a whole genre of games I've been completely ignoring in this whole narrative focused, um, style. Uh, yeah. yeah yeah no that was and that was that was probably 2017 i mean when it came out it was probably later in the year when it came out that i played it oh nice okay uh i for whatever reason um i i had known about this game for a while and i never got around to it until earlier this year um i don't remember how i found out about it but it was one of those games that um i I had heard like rumblings of, and I had actually, I had played, um, giant sparrows first game, um, the unfinished swan, Hmm. uh, on the, on the Vita, probably 20, I'd say 18 or 19 maybe. Um, and, uh, I really enjoyed it. And for whatever reason, this one just never came back up on my radar. And, uh, finally, um, I sat down a couple months ago and I was like, okay, I'm going to play this. I've heard really great things, whatever. 
and uh yeah it was it was definitely an experience um something that i wasn't expecting and i i really like these games like uh gone home is is one of my favorite games of the last generation um i really liked uh what is their name um the fulbright company i really like their other game uh tacoma oh, uh what what was the um uh well it doesn't matter anyway yeah i like these sorts of games and it just it never crossed my path for whatever reason so um i'm glad that i finally did get to it but uh yeah in in case people weren't aware um this game uh what remains of edith finch is a game from a little company called giant sparrow and uh giant sparrow is well they were a sort of like external development team um within sony uh because i believe the unfinished swan was actually a uh uh playstation exclusive uh at the time that it released um it might not be anymore but uh no i just looked it up it can't, it's on uh it came to windows through steam and ios last year okay very nice so yeah um but they did that game 2012 and then uh it didn't sell really particularly well but it sold enough for sony to warrant giving them a uh another go um and so they finished that game and immediately started working on a uh a different one that was kind of based on the experiences of their creative directors um like i guess experiences scuba diving and uh, kind of the way that he phrased it from uh, the interview that I read was that it was basically when you go scuba diving, uh, you can kind of see where the, like, the, what do you call it? The the sea bottom, the sea floor yeah. just kind of drops off into blackness. Yeah. And he had wanted to create something that kind of evoked that same feeling. And so they started working on a prototype for that game. Uh, and what they did was they had made like the little scuba diving sections. And then they thought that it would be nice to have like the um, sort of the words that would be coming from the, the person that you'd be playing as their thoughts like pop up in the water and sort of float up so you could read them. Uh, which is actually a holdover in this game. They have the yeah. the captions, you know, just kind of floating in the environment. But the uh, the initial vision there, it didn't really go anywhere. They couldn't figure out how to make the game really like function in a playable way, and so they shifted directions. And the first thought that they had, uh, or at least he had, and probably brought it to the team was the idea of this shark rolling down a forest hill and the sentence. And then I was a shark being spoken by a child at the same, uh, same time. And that actually became the basis for the Molly segment in the game that we'll get to in a little bit and really steered the game into a different direction where they tried to work on, uh, you know, different vignettes uh, and try to tie them all together in a, in a narrative structure. And, 
from there, the full game started development in 2013 and was incubated uh, in Sony Santa Monica as part of like their XDEG initiative. Hmm. Um, and, you know, it was even shown on, on stage the PS14 or the 2014 PSX and the 2015 E3 uh, presentation. And then for whatever reason, Sony just kind of let it go. And uh, they were actually picked up for publishing by Annapurna, who I did not know this, but Annapurna, like Interactive, that little subsect or whatever, was started by people who left Sony Santa Monica as like heads of the whole XDEV initiative. Interesting. Yeah, very interesting stuff. Uh, but it was finally uh, released on April 25th, 2017 on the PS4 and came to various platforms later. Um, so yeah, a really interesting history to the game. Uh, I had no idea. I just had assumed... I, I mean, you know that games, they they start out as like a, a myriad of different things and then end up finally becoming what they do after you know, right. tinkering and what have you. But I just, for whatever reason, knowing their pedigree with, um, uh, the unfinished one, I just assumed that this was like a full fledged idea that they had from the very beginning. And then just yeah. Hear, hearing that it started with the shark. Cause that, that particular moment stands out to me as a more comedic moment in the game. Yeah. And like hearing that they, they flesh this whole, story out of that moment is that that's really interesting because that's such a just it's a good i don't know it gets a good laugh out of me whenever i see that just dumb shark just flopping down a hill <laughs> yeah. but to think i they pulled all this emotional storytelling out of that it's pretty it's wild the first time that i um uh the first time that i had um played it or whatever and i i got to that part where you just start playing the shark and you just have to flop i let out like a really hearty laugh like it's just so absurd yeah (laughs) but um but yeah so uh i guess let's get into like actually talking about the game uh i've i've thought that the best place would be to start with like the game design and particularly the mechanics um was there anything because m- most of the game you're basically just walking around uh you know at least for the the structure um where you're like the I, I the i guess the best way to phrase this is like the sort of like wrap around narrative where you are playing as Edith mm-hmm. that's what a bulk of the game is is just the walking and finding objects so there's not much to that, but each one of the segments that you play in has a different sort of, like, uh, I don't want to say type of game, but it, it's built around a different mechanic. Yeah. Um, did you feel like that added to the storytelling in any meaningful way? Yeah, because it felt like it felt like they wrote the story. I mean, knowing that they started with the shark, I have no idea what the actual process was, but it felt like they had their stories and then sat down to figure out okay what gameplay mechanics could best convey this story to the player and best communicate the personality of the person that you know the, that's the focus of the story or the tone of what we're going for and so they weren't 
limited by having the whole game be one type of thing. Instead, they, they you know, so with, uh, what's her name, Bethany, Brittany, Brit, the, the actress. Oh, um... I actually didn't look that up. I should have. I think it's I think it's Bethany or it's it's B something, or it's not. I don't know. But the point is that one's kind of done as this uh, you know '80s cheesy slasher comic type of thing, mm-hmm. and that kind of gives a, a nice tone to it and lets you in on kind of her mindset of uh, you know how she kind of views things. Not that she viewed everything as kind of that, but that she just. She was Barbara. into the, the, the showiness of it, the stardom, the, the, you know, the presentation of things. And so it wasn't as deep and uh, impactful as, say, the bathtub scene. But it still communicates. The whole, the whole presentation, the packaging, lets you know more about the story they're telling. Um, and so I do think the mechanics add to it, even though some of them, some of them are kind of, you know, not, I don't want to say gimmicky, but... I think particularly like when you get to Lewis's section in the cannery, mm-hmm. that that split focus you have to have in the gameplay definitely adds to it. Even oh, though yeah. it's not that complicated, it's still, you know, it communicates the headspace of the character. Yeah, 100% agreed. Um, the I think I think I agree with you uh, almost entirely. Uh, I think the only thing that I have any sort of like... Um, anything to add is I, I feel like even with uh, with the different mechanics that occur within the game, I feel like it's all relatively simple and that there's yeah. not much that like would um, like, it's not breath of the wild, right? Where people yeah. are still figuring out like the stuff you can do with the physics in that game and shit like that. Yeah. It's all relatively simple. Um, but, uh, but yeah, uh, I I agree with you. I, I I do think that the mechanics uh really add a lot to what you're seeing on screen in terms of the storytelling, uh, and really puts you in the in the headspace of what that character is is particularly going through at that given time. Like I, uh, this isn't probably a standout to anyone, uh, in particular. I I would think, but. I particularly enjoyed the segment, you know, we'll get into later where uh, you're playing as, um, I think it's Calvin, uh, where you're in the swing. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, for whatever reason, that just got me. And that mechanic put me back into the shoes of like me as a child, you know, trying my best to, you know, go all all the way around like the swing set. It got yeah. me feeling like an idiot because I spent like five minutes going, why isn't it doing I know what it's supposed to do. Why isn't it doing it? And then I realized you have to use both sticks. And I was like, oh, that, <laughs> that makes sense. Yep, no. Yeah. I was like, why is he going like lopsided like this? But <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so pr- probably I think the next place to kind of get into is, um, again, the story is kind of broken up into these segments, right? But um, – each the way that you get to each segment is very linear in nature. Um, did you did you feel in particular that that line, linearity was any sort of like positive or negative? Uh, I think it's just there for pacing. Um, 
similar to what we were saying about the gameplay where this isn't a challenging game this isn't like a real creative express yourself through the gameplay kind of game it's just it's a story told in an interactive way um and so by having it structured in this way where you're having to go from one story to the next in a specific order um it, it just allows for pacing it allows for the uh you know for edith to experience these things in a way that you know gives a progression to that um and allows little pieces of this family's history to connect because as you learn about one character when they're referenced in the future or you know however it goes either way um you have a background you're now drawing from of who these people are and how mm. they're all now interacting slowly more as the game goes on um so yeah i think i think they could have done this game in a way that would have been where every room is open and you just go into each room and experience that story but i think it would have lost something in the pacing and the in the way the story is being presented yeah i think i 100 percent agree with that um the only um i guess i guess the only like quote unquote knock I would have against the game and the the linear nature is that it it would um sort of provide that um uh, or well not necessarily provide but it would have that sort of um it I guess it, what I'm trying to say is it would have less of that storybook feel mm. um but it would provide you with more um, agency as the player, but I, I guess what you're saying is correct. It, it it's not about your agency because you're experiencing these stories. It's not your story, if that makes sense. Yeah. So, um, yeah, I don't necessarily think that that's a knock, but I I would think that some people probably would see it that way because, you know, it's you're the player. It should be all about you, and you know, bullshit, whatever. Uh, but yeah. Okay. So do you think that that necessarily affects the narrative design at all? Or, uh, do you think that it was like intentionally made linear and that, uh, because of the narrative that they wanted to tell? I think it was linear because of the narrative they wanted to tell. I mean, when you, when you take into account that it's all framed as her journal, um, you're experiencing this through the way she is telling it. Um, mm-hmm. If that makes sense. You're not, yeah. you're, you're not writing the journal. You're reading the journal and the visuals kind of play into that where you're seeing it obviously more than you would from just reading it. But I don't know. I think the linearity makes perfect sense. Um, it's all cleverly, uh, you know, with the way that the doors are sealed and the passages and all that between them. Uh, it's all cleverly done. I, I don't, in both times, I don't really, at, at no point did I think, oh, I wish I could do this now or this or whatever. I just kind of was able to just go through it and um, it all felt like a natural progression from one story to the next. Yeah, I, I 100% agree with that. Um, and you brought, you brought up the visuals. that I, I wanted to talk about that briefly because I really feel like this game has a you know i kind of said it earlier with like the way that the narrative is but i feel like this game has a almost storybook-esque quality to the to the like um visual design yeah like each room has its own little little like quirks to it 
And even though it's told in a almost uh, like realistic sort of like or maybe pseudo realistic visual style, like it's not hyper realistic, right? Like it's not the fucking Last of Us two. Yeah. Um, but I feel like the visuals that it that it goes with help to kind of cement it as a almost like fairy tale. Um, or at least the art style does. And it, it kind of changes from segment to segment too. Right. Yeah. Um, or at least that's my, my recollection of it. Um, well, it's weird from the, the house feels like a real place. It almost feels like they went in and scanned a real house in, in some ways where it's just, it feels so lived in and natural and it feels like a, it almost feels like a place I've been in. But then as you go on, it becomes more fantastical where you have like a boat on top of the house that somebody's using as a bedroom. And, you know, (laughs) it's like it gets more and more fantastical. But somehow by the time you get to that, it all feels natural and realistic and all that. I mean, one of the things that really impressed me was when you first get to the house, you go in through the garage and you sneak in through the doggy door and just that garage there's so much attention to detail in the way things are placed and the way it's all, it's just the more you look at any part of this house, the more detailed it gets in a way. Um, yeah. And, and even though the art style, like you said, isn't super realistic, somehow the, the fact that there's so much detail and so much care put into it after a while, it really does start to feel real. It does start to feel like a real place that you could actually go to that, that exists um it's not a typical video game thing where your the immersion is broken by everything it's just you totally accept it as a real place um which is paramount it has they have to do that if they don't nail that then the whole thing falls apart oh yeah 100 percent agreed um sorry i got lost in the thing uh so I think probably the the next place we should go is, uh, you know, we'll talk about the narrative. Um, do you f- have any strong feelings about like the plot itself? Um, where uh, I'm trying to think of the best way to phrase this, not necessarily as a. Um, uh, not necessarily as like a linear plot, but as a sort of um, like, I guess, hmm. boy, I'm having a hard time trying to figure out what I'm trying to say. Me too. (laughs) Uh, Hmm. I really should have probably written this question down because my brain is like broken right now, but Okay, maybe I'll say this. How do you feel like the plot uh, works, not necessarily as a uh, a set of allegories, which is kind of what it is, right? But more as like a cohesive whole. Did you did you feel like the plot in and of itself was like something of um uh uh like was more than a sum of its parts. Does that make sense? Is that, that's probably the 
best way to phrase what I'm trying to say. Yeah. Um, I think each... The way each story plays out, it's all... You know, it, it, it's telling you how each person died. Um, and it goes through in a way that you're kind of getting different... How do I tell you? Different approaches to death, different ways to face death, um, or, or how people live their lives in fear of death that ends up leading to the death. Have I said death enough times? Um, <laughs> it's all taking that core idea of the game... And showing you how different people are, are, you know, kind of indirectly showing you how they think about it, how they f- feel about it. Um, you know, with the, was it Calvin on the swing? Um, yeah. He's not afraid of it. I mean, I would never get on a swing that close to a cliff. Are you kidding me? But like, <laughs> it's, he's not afraid. And that's the whole point. Whereas all through the, um, all through the story you have. Uh, Edith's mother, who is horrifyingly afraid of this curse and and is just living her life out of fear and sealing the doors. And I don't, you you kind of get a little bit of her death, not as its own playable vignette, but just kind of its own, it's kind of explained. But you're getting her all through the story, Edith's mother, um, just in in the house itself and the way she's boarding things up and closing things off and like trying to shut, shut down the past and run from it. And I think you get those two extremes there of boldly going towards death, unafraid and still living your life or try and hide from it and run from it and, 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 and deny it. Um, and all of the characters and their stories are somewhere in between where maybe you have Molly who kind of, even though she's too young to really be considering death, she's, going off into these fantasy worlds and, and which is echoed all the way back at, uh, toward the end at Lewis, who is just kind of the, you know, the, the mundane nature of life. He's just escaping into these worlds. Um, and it's all how these characters deal with life and death. And that's pretty much what every story revolves around in this all the way to, uh, Oh gosh, is it, I'm looking at this list of names. Uh, was it Sam who is in the bunker? Walter? Walter was in the uh, bunker? I think Walter was think the one in the bunker. Walter in the bunker, where he just goes down and hides after his wife dies. He just goes down and lives in a bunker for 30 years. Um, so yeah, I think all of these stories, as varied as they can be, revolve around um, how different people handle the concept of death and how they handle living with the reality of impending death eventually. Um, Barbara, all, you know, when she dies, uh, at least as far as the comic is concerned, when she dies, she's happy because she, she can now live out this, this horror film thing that she's always wanted. She's always wanted horror film fame and all this stuff. And that's what she was as a child and she lost it. And, you know, the industry moved away from her and she always just wanted to recapture that. And then her death, when she's attacked by all these monsters or whatever, she's able to, uh, finally just give the performance of a lifetime or whatever it's just all of these stories revolve around that in a way that makes them all kind of essential to the overall um narrative being told if that makes sense oh yeah 100 percent. um yeah yeah i i think probably the I, I phrased that incorrectly 
because I, I think I probably should have uh, said something about the narrative piece. Like, I guess the narrative structure of giving it, um, you know, the story to Edith, if that makes sense. Mm. Um, because really, in the end, I think it is kind of her story, right? Uh, well, as as the protagonist, it ends up being kind of her story. But yeah. Um, yeah. So you mentioned it. It's very clear this game is about death. Um, I also tend to think that it is a a little bit about living life as well. Um, because like you, like you pointed out, it is, uh, there are definitely, uh, I don't want to say necessarily scathing critiques, but there are definitely, uh, critiques in here about the nature of living. You know, are you going to be scared of death your entire life to the point that you don't live? Um, and, and stuff like that. And I think that it hits on, um, some major, major stuff there, but, uh, Outside of that, was there anything that you latched on particularly as like a as a big theme of of the narrative? No, I think that was pretty much the predominant one. I mean, there may have been some uh, uh, "Don't leave your kid unattended in a bathtub." Um, <laughs> that's a big yeah. Theme. That that's uh, a pretty pretty strong one. Yeah, uh, I don't know. Uh, I, I think it all stems out of death I, you could probably draw something out of the fact of family history i don't know the the fact that edith's mother i'm blanking on edith's mother's name um uh it's edie right isn't it edie's or, the grandmother oh you're right uh what is her name it's uh oh i didn't write it down because she doesn't have a, a she has a very sequence. brief sequence at the end but yeah uh what was her mother's name shit that's a i wish i had written that down that, that's a good uh good thing to have but I- anyway Anyways, yeah um uh, where her mother is trying to keep um that family history away from her the you know the whole time um don don finch don yeah that's it um where maybe embracing it is more important um and, you know, the different approach to that, because where Dawn tries to keep it from Edith, Edith discovers it specifically so she can pass it on to her son, uh, her child, her unborn child. Um, I don't know. I, I, I'm not. This is something that's occurring to me right now. So I don't have anything really profound to say about it. But I think there's definitely something to be to be pulled out of, you know, should we forget the past or should we embrace it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, that that's actually the the one thing that I was I was going to bring up is um, I really do feel like the game is also very much about memories um, and how the like memory of someone or may, maybe memories the wrong word maybe legacy is is more the correct term because Edie kind of uh as a as a person sort of like memorializes everyone and you know keeps each of their rooms as like a shrine to that person yeah. and kind of like what they meant and each one of the segments also speaks i think very specifically to the character that the segment is about right so it talks about the lasting impressions that that those um, people can have on your life. It, it's very much about the 
uh, uh, I hate to say this because I, I feel like it's kind of trite, but like life after death, because these, these characters in this game, they, they really do live on in the memories of, of the people who, yeah. uh, you know, loved them. And, uh, I think that that is a, something that the game at the very least touches on. If isn't kind of like outright about, um, to me, when I played the game, that's that's something that I definitely took away was was the fact that like, you know, people may die, but their their lives and their memories and their legacies stay living within you, and and you know, kind of passing it uh, passing it down. Their lives touch other lives, and and so on. Um, but uh, yeah, I I think probably now with with that said, the the best way to go about this is to kind of go through each one of the playable segments and, and kind of uh, get to it. Um, so you, you start out the game, um, you know, as Edith, you kind of make your way back to the house and the first area that you kind of, uh, explore and get the, the first vignette of is, is Molly's room. Um, and this was the one that we spoke about with the, with the shark. Um, and I loved this segment. I thought it was super weird because I I had no idea that what remains of Edith Finch was going to be like this when I yeah. started playing it. It I had expected something similar to like Gone Home, where you explore the house, you kind of get environmental storytelling and like little like bits here and there, but each one of these segments you play out in full and this one threw me for a loop because of just how weird and kind of, uh, absurd it is. Yeah. And I, I think what's interesting about Molly is she's one of the few where you kind of don't know how she dies. Um, yeah. <laughs> like at, at first I was thinking, Oh, well at the end, you know, she kind of like, when she thinks she's the cat or whatever, and she jumps after this bird, and she must have fallen off or something, I guess. I don't know. And now I'm starting to think that maybe it's the stuff she was eating, maybe poisoned her or something. I don't know. Yeah, that's what that's where my uh, my head went as well. I had initially thought, oh, she's pretending to be a cat, or she like you know is dreaming, and maybe she falls out the window or something. Yeah. Um, but the more I thought about it, I, I started thinking that maybe all of that stuff where she is the different animals yeah. was her hallucinating after she, eating the berries or yeah. Yeah. But, um, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think that this segment is really fun and really cute and because it, it is told in a, I think a style that is very much like when you hear kids telling stories, like that's, that's how they tell stories. Like yeah. they are like, Oh yeah. And then this happened. And, and then, then I was this a shark, happened. And then I was a bird and then I was a monster. And then, yeah. Yeah. And I, I in particular thought that that was just super cute. And, um, I really, uh, I really liked, um, her segment. Um, it's not my favorite of the bunch, but it definitely, did something for me for sure. Yeah. So, um, 
the the next one I wrote down was Odin, but I actually don't think he has a playable segment, does he? Odin, 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 Odin. Uh, no, no. Yeah, because uh, Odin is the uh, original, like the like great great grandfather or whatever, no, right? It's got the it's got the little viewfinder, the viewmaster. Oh, that's right. That's right. That's yeah, right. it's not a playable thing. You just kind of get the the gist of that story. Yeah. Okay. Um. Yeah. Well. Uh. Yeah. I don't have much to say because I actually kind of forgot that it happened. <laughs> um. But uh, the next one after that is the story of Calvin. Um. And I'm relatively certain this was the one with the swings, right? Yes. Okay. Um, yeah, this one got me uh, kind of, I think, in the mindset of of what I felt like the, the rest of the, um, the kind of game was going to be about. Because Molly's segment, um, it's kind of you know, it is, it is the sort of like, oh, this is a kid telling a story sort yeah. of thing. Yeah. But uh, like Calvin's, when you start his segment, it starts with you talking about how, or uh, Edith in particular, talking about how his death affected um, what? Uh, what is his name? Uh, is it is it Sam that was his brother? Yes. Yeah. Okay. They shared the room. Yeah, talking about how it affected Sam and not necessarily. Um, Calvin himself, if that makes sense. Yeah. Um, but yeah, this was the one that where I first kind of like got an idea of what I thought that the game was particularly about. Um, it's a short and sweet segment. I don't think that there's really much to say about it. Cause I don't know that it necessarily, uh, has any sort of like, uh, metaphorical or allegorical sense. It's just a matter of like, this happened sort of thing. Well, I think it's important because it does mention how, um, I can't remember. There, there, it says something happened and I can't remember what, but basically it says that Calvin made up his mind. He was never going to be afraid of anything. Um, and so, so, you know, something happened in the past. Calvin decided he was never going to be afraid of anything for the rest of his life. And so when he's out there swinging and he's going to do the, the three sixty that every kid has ever wanted to do on a swing set. Um, and you see the cliff there, and you're like, this seems kind of dumb. But <laughs> it says in the narration, he made up his mind he was never going to be afraid. And so he's going to go for it. And, you know, in his room, um, when you see all that, he's got all the spaceman stuff and, you know, all that. And uh, he wanted to fly. That was his one dream, is he wanted to fly. Uh, and so that is that is exactly how he dies, is flying off the cliff. And it's almost like for him, it kind of shows it as almost a peaceful moment. It's not, there's no fear. He's just yeah. going towards death, but enjoying it in a way. Yeah, that's definitely, uh, I mean, that's that's good analysis. Because that, even that, I didn't necessarily particularly get out of it. But yeah. Yeah, but I think it I, I totally introduces the, the, into the player's mind, this element of not just death, but fear of death and death you kind of going forward you see each character kind of are they afraid of it or are they embracing it yeah 
That yeah, good call. I that is not something that I had even remotely <laughs> considered. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah. So following Calvin's up is. I don't know if it's my favorite segment, but it's definitely one of my uh, favorite segments. And that's the segment involving Barbara, who, as uh, as you've already pointed out, was the um, childhood horror movie star, uh, kind of like a um, horror movie version of. uh, Oh, God, what is her name? I know Um, you're talking about Shirley Temple. Shirley Temple. That's it. I was thinking Little Debbie and I'm like, that's that can't be right. (laughs) That's 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 not not. right. Um, but yeah, and, uh, I loved this segment. Um, obviously, you know, for anyone who's ever listened to anything that I've put out there, I love horror and like, so this just kind of like really, really spoke to me. Um, but I I love the sort of way that it is, uh, that it is told because it's told in a, um, sort of like, uh, like comic book style. Yeah. So like, uh, it kind of almost mirrors the, the stuff that, you know, Molly does where it's kind of like a story, so to speak. But it also helps to put us in the place of like, uh, people who are like, I guess celebrities, like for lack of a better term, because you know, comic book people in certain circles definitely are celebrities to, to some people. Right. You know, yeah. like um, p- people who are really into that shit, and so I really liked the way that the the narrative for this one unfolded because of that style. Uh, I thought that it was really, really tailored to to making uh, her story say something. Um, but I I have to assume that you hated this segment. <laughs> Why? No, I, I got a good laugh out of this. Oh, okay, okay. This well, is one fair of the enough. more this is one of the more memorable. Like if I'm telling somebody about the game, and I'm trying to describe the vignette thing, I'm like, oh, I mean, like for example, there's this one where you're like in a comic book horror kind of thing, and it's kind of campy. And no, I love this section. Okay, um, well, fair enough. Yeah, I just know you don't really particularly care for horror, so I just had assumed that this was well. This like, is hardly. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, that's fair. <laughs> Totally fair. Um, yeah. Uh, I also, there's, uh, you said something about how Molly segment, you don't really know particularly how Molly dies. Mm. Uh, it, it's left kind of ambiguous as to how Barbara died, right? Like is, well, it, it, uh, so she's attacked by the supposed serial killer guy who turns out to be a bunch of people from the fan con thing, the monster con Mm -hmm. that were, uh, that were because she couldn't make it. So they were going to come to her house and let her, you know, relive the glory days or something. I don't know. It all seems kind of ridiculous, but it ends with her getting murdered by a bunch of monsters who are actually real monsters like Wolfman and all that. Mm. But at the very beginning of the thing, I noticed on the radio, it's talking about a group of, of, uh, I don't know, some, some escaped group of criminals that are wandering around wearing masks or something. I don't know. Uh, it's, it's hard to tell because it is a comic book told years after the fact, and it is fantasizing it and, and, you know, bumping up the, uh, 
the the I don't know I don't know what word I'm looking for here the it, it it's not focused on realism but it's kind of telling this fantastical story about how this this horror movie actress was killed in the horror style whatever um I think it, you're kind of left to assume that it was some group of criminals broke into the house and killed her I don't know but yeah like Molly it's kind of left you're not given a very clear vision of what exactly happened yeah I uh I think it's also stated in that segment that her her boyfriend uh like leaves the house right because he's there with her at the she, at the beginning of the segment so she kicks him out because he uh so okay they were working on her scream because she was going to go to the horror movie con and so she was trying to get her you know when she was a kid she had this famous scream in the movies and she was trying to work on it and get it so she could redo it at you know now that she's an adult and so he's trying to help her with that so he pretends to go missing and then when she finds him he he scares her to try to get the scream back or whatever and she's mad at him so she kicks him out um and then at the end of the book, after she's dead, it says something about the fact that they assumed that the police assumed it was the boyfriend and he they was he'd never found or something. Oh, okay. It's kind of left ambiguous as to maybe the boyfriend did kill her. I don't know. May, yeah, may, maybe that's what it was. Because I, when I was thinking about like what I was remembering when I played this segment in particular, for some reason I did think that it was... Uh, it ended up kind of saying or kind of being like a, uh, you know, her boyfriend did it sort of thing. So uh, maybe maybe that's where I got that from. But uh, but yeah, I, I really love that segment. Uh, definitely a standout for me. Um, not as not as strong as two that are definitely coming up. And I think we're both going to agree on those. Um, but following uh, Barbara's uh, segment is. Walters and Walter is, if I remember correctly, I'm relatively positive was Barbara's brother. And he is the one who, um, uh, found his dead sister. Correct. That's right. It's, I, I mean, I think that's right. I could be having this wrong, but he, um, he's the one who ends up living in the, uh, I don't want to say crawl space because that's not right. Um, not crawl space, but like, uh, it's like the a, like a basement basement. Bunker. Yeah, the basement bunker. That's the best way to phrase it, probably. Um, and his story is very much a uh, tale of caution. I think about yeah. uh, how how to not live life. Um, you know actively being scared of everything and choosing um kind of like to let the fear rule you so to speak uh but also the end of his segment kind of uh i think comes around where he he ends up saying that um you know he wishes that he had more time and stuff like that and that he had not you know just lived his entire life uh scared of death um This one was another one that I think hit me uh, relatively hard just because um, it is one of those things that like I, I think speaks to one of the big themes of the story with not wanting to uh, or well not living life to its fullest because of of death 
because of the fear of death. Right. Um, do you have anything in particular uh, to say about about this segment? Uh, no, I mean, I think it really is there to, to show you not to run from it. I mean, and, and in the end, the reason he died, I find it so interesting that the way he went out of the house was to bash through this wall and then go out that way and that led to him being um struck by a train instead of just going out through the the door to the basement <laughs> yeah yeah but i i don't i don't know it, it's almost kind of like i think it, it sets up this idea of a self-fulfilling prophecy where you you hunker down so much trying to avoid death you know and you 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 you're so scared to even set foot out the door. Um, and I think in the end that just leads to, you know, I don't know. It's, it's, it's kind of the idea of a self-fulfilling prophecy, right? Which is kind of one of the overall themes of this game, you know, is if you're so scared of death constantly, then it's, it's going to find you. Um, I mean, it's going to find everyone, but it, it, in that fear, you end up leading yourself right to it. Yeah. Yeah, and uh, I I think um, yeah yeah I think I think that's right. I don't I don't think there's anything I have to add, at least not smart. <laughs> um, so next we have Sam, and if I remember correctly, this is the one with the photographs, correct? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I I kind of feel like the game lead you down a path of the i don't want to say the strongest first uh because i don't think that that's necessarily true uh but definitely a uh a matter of um like telling you some of the uh more meaningful ones first uh like the the game builds up you know the whole idea of uh sam being the one who likes photography and he teaches his, uh, his daughter who is, uh, ends up being your mom, correct? Like, isn't his daughter Dawn? Yes. Yeah. Okay. Um, and it, uh, it ends up having a, um, kind kind of telling the story of, uh, of like, I, th I think to kind of echo back what I was talking about earlier, but it kind of talks about memories, right? And, um, like holding on to memories and his story is something that I thought was really nice, uh, in that it's kind of life affirming because Sam is really struck by Calvin's death. And because of that, he goes out and he becomes like this, uh, I don't want to say environmentalist cause that's not the right word, but like. Uh, you know, he he gets taken by, you know, hunting and, and guns and self-preservation sort of thing. Yeah. And, um, but he also has that memory of Sam, or, or, sorry, Calvin, and, like, them being super close. And so he, he does the whole photography thing and passes that down to Dawn, uh, which I think is, is really special. And his segment is one of the only segments that I actually got frustrated in the game because there was one photo in particular that you're supposed to take. And I had no clue 
what yeah. I was supposed to be taking a picture of. Yeah, so you're just kind of taking random photos and like, okay, come on, come on, let's go. Yeah, yeah. Um, but uh, I think I think his segment really uh, really works for me. It's not anything. Um, it's not one of the more memorable ones, I don't think, even though it has a nice message to it. Um, but how did you how did you feel about Sam's segment? Yeah, I think it's all kind of summarized at the end, um, where Edith makes a comment about how. You know, most people run from death, but he chose to run towards it, or he, he, yeah. he chose to seek it out. Not his own death, but it's almost like hunting became a way of control over death for him. Mm-hmm. Like, he was the one pulling the trigger to take a life, and so it was almost this way of him gaining control over this thing that he was afraid of. Um, yeah. I don't have much to add, uh, you know, apart from what you said, but um, yeah, it was it was an interesting segment. And it's it, it you kind of can definitely see how a young Dawn would be traumatized by seeing her father knocked off a cliff right in front of her. Um, <laughs> yeah. It's pretty, uh, and then having that moment immortalized in a photo, it's all very, you know, you, you can see why she would be so afraid. Yeah, it, it's really kind of darkly comical, also when you think about it. Yeah. Um, but, uh, yeah. So the, the next segment is are arguably the best. Um, and that's the segment of Gregory. This is the bathtub sequence. Oh man. Um, I, I mean, I'll let you take the lead on this one. Cause I don't even really know how to talk about this one. So the baby drowns in the bathtub. Uh, and then we have <laughs> Gus, uh, Gus's stories. No, um, this one, this one is so fascinating because obviously it, there, there's there is depth to it because it's not just you don't you know you're not just watching a baby die, it's you're hearing why in the background and you're getting actual character development on uh, Gus's parents who are Kay and I can't remember the Finch involved uh, Sam, um, yeah so you're getting Kay and Sam. Um, arguing and it's it's setting up their divorce and all that and that's why she's so distracted from the baby um it's actually interesting that that's all happening in the background too but i think the cool thing about gregory's um little story here is you have because he is a baby he's not aware of what to be afraid of everything Mm -hmm. is wonderful and everything is fun and everything is just pure imagination and even when he's drowning, it's like he's imagining he's swimming with all these, you know, toys in the whatever. And it's all there's fears completely removed um, from the equation. Uh, and I think that's an interesting perspective on that. When you add it to all of these other, you know, perspectives on death, you have this one that just has none of the baggage of any of the other characters. Yeah, I, I totally agree. Um the the one thing that uh, I I think I kind of took away from it as well was um, something that I I kind of talked about earlier with like the themes is I I think that this this segment in particular is a way of showcasing how how the characters are remembered. Gregory's a baby, right? So yeah. you're always going to remember him as 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 a baby, obviously because that's when he died, but also because as you play through his segment, it is 
the wonder and the imagination and kind of um i i for like a lack of a better phrasing but like it's a life that was never lived yeah and you kind of get that while you're playing it like he's always going to be a baby in everyone's memory and that sense of wonder and you know not being afraid and stuff like that really uh i think hits home because of the way that you experience it. And um, I think one thing that we didn't touch on in particular uh, when we were talking about like the game design and stuff was, was the music. Um, But this one is set to, uh, is it Stravinsky? (laughs) Uh, It's classical music. I don't know. It's uh, I, it's the right of spring. I think is the name of the, of the actual piece of music used, but I'm okay. I could be, completely wrong on that um but i'd loved that it was set to that uh i don't know if it's adding anything to that whole like uh sense of wonder or 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 imagination but it really added to the sequence i think um personally uh yeah Great, great, really sad stuff. <laughs> yeah. Um. Next up was Gus. I don't remember this segment at all. Um. And I was I was watching through, uh, like a playthrough of this to kind of remember stuff, and I did not remember this at all. Um. Did you? <laughs> yeah, briefly with the with the. It's very short. Um. It's the it's the kite flying, right? Yeah, and it's the continuation now because you've gone from yeah, this is following Sam's children who are uh you know, Gregory Gus and uh Dawn. Um and so Gregory's died, Gus now, and this is why I said it's kinda interesting because you can follow the progression is uh as Gregory is dying, you can hear the parents arguing well, the next one, uh, and I think in between you find a letter is Edith, which is the divorce letter, which is how mm-hmm. this is all explained. Um, it's Sam signing the, the divorce or something like that, um, which that's how Gregory's is, is framed, is, is him writing that down. Uh, but now Gus dies when Sam is being remarried, um, and it's at the wedding, and he just has no interest in this whole thing, and so he's just standing outside flying a kite during the whole wedding, as the, the the you know as as Sam kind of stubbornly just you know this wedding is going to happen and the, it you know they get married and they're gonna move into the tent and if this kid wants to stand outside then whatever just let him and as the storm grows he's not worried about his kid because he's so mad at him he just says to turn the volume on the music up at the party and just you know just completely ignore it and because of all of that because of that disconnect between them and the, the you know the lack of communication, Gus is outside while the uh, the storm comes and it it kills him in some way. Um, you know, either gets hit by something or it throws him across the you know the rocks or something. But um, yeah, it's very short. It's not as uh, mechanically memorable as some of the other ones. Um, but you know, it's 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 kind of tragic, especially when I think uh, I think this one is told from Don's perspective as a poem. Yeah. And yeah. And, uh, aren't you like revealing the poem with the kite 
uh, as it happens. Yeah, Yeah, the poem is wrapped around the kite uh, handle, whatever that thing's called. And uh, as it gets to the end, you find out that Don even says, like, I wish I thought about him while he was out there, but I didn't even think about him until until we found his body. And it's kind of like this kid was just kind of ignored and kind of just left to die almost in a way. Like, nobody really cared about him. He was just kind of lonely after, you know, and, and you kind of get the, um, in pictures you see him, he's kind of a punk. He's got a mohawk and all that. So clearly the parents' divorce really impacted him and nobody was willing to really communicate with him about that. Um, mm-hmm. So it led him to be kind of a loner and die alone. Yeah. Uh, yeah, it's um, kind of kind of sad, uh, but ultimately i think un unremarkable hmm. um milton's segment follows it up and it this is another one that isn't a playable segment but yeah. uh uh i don't know if you knew this uh because i, I don't think you've played um unfinished swan have you no okay so this is actually a tie-in with unfinished swan oh. uh and it kind of leads you to to believe that milton is the bo- the unnamed boy um, that is in that game. Interesting. Um, but again, this isn't anything I think uh, particularly worthy to talk about because one, it's not playable, and two, it I don't think has much to offer in way of like the storytelling, other than to tell you, um, kind of like, I guess, uh, how do I want to put this? Um how his death uh like brought about the next couple of sequences because i think um coming up relatively soon if if it hasn't already happened uh you uh find out about dawn and her death and uh yeah, it's, like it's all the, close to the end there yeah yeah but and you, and you, the cancer yeah but you find out that through milton's death or disappearance um that's kind of the thing that set Dawn over the edge and, and she searched for him for months. And when she finally gave up, that's when she started, you know, sealing up the rooms and hiding all of that stuff and, and just kind of suddenly succumbing to a lot of her fears. Mm-hmm. Uh, Milton's it's mildly playable in the sense that it's like a flip book. You just kind of control yeah. the flip book. That's it. Um, this one I find really interesting because it's kind of the lingering mystery, which now that you say it ties into unfinished Swan is actually really interesting because you know, there's this theme of death, but with Milton, he disappeared. You don't, yeah. you don't get a death. And then even when you, you do the flip book at the end, it, it ends with him walking through a door and kind of waving goodbye. Like, it's not like, you know, you get the impression he ran away and just left and went to a new life. So you never really get a resolution with that character. Although with Unfinished One, you may, I don't know. I don't know how that ties together. Uh, I... I don't remember Unfinished Swan very well, um, but I don't think it necessarily hit on the same like uh, like themes or anything like that. So I would be interested to go back and play it with this a little bit more fresh in my mind right. and see if it uh, if there is any sort of like real resolution to his story because I don't remember uh, the game really having to do anything with like life or death or anything like that. But it was more about like, I, f- I feel like creation. Um, 
because it's it's very much about uh it like the game starts out you're in like this completely white space and you're tasked with like finding your way through the levels by like uh like lobbing bits of like black paint oh. so then you can find out like where staircases are and huh. and stuff like that uh so it's very interesting like game design wise um but i don't i don't particularly remember it um having much to do in terms of like themes or, or anything like that being similar. Um, I think it was just like a nice little like callback. Uh, well, with that said, uh, this is the other one that I think really is, uh, a standout segment. And that is, um, the segment with Lewis in the cannery. Um, this one was, I think, kind of hard for me to get through. Uh, this is the one that I really kind of like had a a real strong emotional response to. Um, I don't necessarily know why, uh, but this was the one that I was like, oh, this game is special. Like this game is really like something worth being like talked about and studied over, um, how do you feel about this segment? Uh, I think for me, the biggest reaction didn't come to the end when it all ties together, but I, I, this one definitely stood out when I played it. Um, it's, it's pretty relatable. If you've ever worked a mundane job, <laughs> it's just a repetitive kind of just same thing day in and day out where obviously this is an extreme case, but where you kind of just spend your day fantasizing about a different life, maybe that could exist and, and other possible places you could be. Uh, and so I think everybody can kind of relate to it on that level. Again, even though it is pretty extreme, uh, but yeah, it's just, you know, the entire time this, this segment's going, you're just chopping fish heads, just, you know, grab one, put it over, chop, grab one, pull it over, chop, but little by little, his imagination grows. And it's kind of interesting because it goes from, it, it's almost like a weird, history of video games where it starts as just a top-down maze kind of thing and then that slowly becomes an isometric as it gets bigger and more detailed and then suddenly it becomes like a third-person thing and then it becomes a first-person game that all this stuff but basically he creates this fantasy reality that slowly becomes the reality he wants to live in to the point that he feels that death is the only thing that can bring him to that he has to be set free from it 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 almost reminded me of uh, Inception Mm-hmm. Um, where uh, Dom puts the or what, is it Dom? Is that his name? Cobb? I can't remember these people's names. Uh, as Cobb, Leonardo I think DiCaprio is right. puts a uh, yeah. He you know he he plants the idea in his wife's mind that hey this reality isn't real, so that they would get out of their fake reality. But then even when they were in reality, it remained in the back of her mind that it wasn't real. Um. And, and that led to her suicide. And I, that kind of reminded me of that, where Lewis has this fantasy world that's so real to him that he feels that the real world isn't actually real. That's not the real him. The, the real Lewis is the one in his fantasy. Um, and he's so disconnected from who he is. There's, a, there's one sequence where uh, his mother, Dawn, is just standing there yelling at him, trying to get him to stop because he stopped. He, he didn't come home from work anymore. He just stayed at work all day to uh you know to keep um staying in that fantasy 
uh, and that was better to him than the real world um, to the point that he just slowly became done with it um, and and ended up killing himself to try to get access to that that fantasy he had created but uh, yeah it's I mean it's it's fairly straightforward I, I, there's not too much to say but it is it is a very relatable sequence and I think it kind of it really drives home a lot of what this game is talking about. Yeah, I, I 100% agree. Uh, and <clears throat> one thing that uh, I wanted to point out that uh, you brought up earlier with the like the game mechanics, I really do like that this segment in particular kind of brings you into the mundanity. Like when you start playing the game or when you start playing this segment in particular – it has you like repeating the same task and repeating the same task until like they eventually start layering in. Uh, I think it's like, like a sort of like fog, right. To where you kind of are still doing the task, but you don't even see that you're doing the task anymore. Yeah. Um, and I really thought that that was like a really nice and neat touch. Um, and I remember when yeah. I first played the game, I thought it was interesting that it ended up being his choice. Because I, what I thought was going to happen was he was going to be not paying attention and end up like cutting his hand off or something in the in the machine or something, having yeah, some accident. Same. But it wasn't an accident; it was his choice at the end. So mm-hmm. it was, uh, yeah, it was definitely an interesting uh, way to go about it. Yeah, one hundred percent for sure. Uh. Next up, we got the little bit of Edie's story. Um, I think this is kind of told as like a flashback, right? Yeah. Um, where you kind of hear the argument that's taking place the night that Edith and Dawn left the house. Um, and then you kind of uh, end in the segment, I think, uh, like leaving the house and then you are just told about what happened to Edie. Um, nothing too memorable here. I don't think, uh, at least it's, it's kind of framed, but well, basically, you know, uh, Dawn is going to take Edith and they're going to leave this house. Um, because I guess Dawn just believes the house itself is cursed or, or, you know, whatever. Mm -hmm. And so they're going to leave. And, she says it's it's something where it's set up to um, a nursing home is going to send a van in the morning to pick her up and take her to a nursing home. Uh, they're, they're kind of just abandoning her to that. And you find out that Edie was going to, was she was going to write down all these stories to give them to Edith because she deserved to know the mother didn't want it and just, you know, rejected that and, and wouldn't let Edith know. Um, and so the last you see of Edie is Edith is in the back of the the car and Dawn is driving away and you just see her standing there and then you find out that by the time the van came the next day Edie, Edie had already died. So it's almost mm-hmm. like her, she was so connected to that family and all that and when it was finally completely falling apart that's when she, you know, that, yeah. that's kind of when she just faded away. Yeah, uh... Oh, excuse me. Um, nice. Yeah. I think I'm coming down with some cold. Uh, but the last um, 
the last little segment is uh, is Edith's segment, um, and this one I think is again not necessarily a playable one, <clears throat> but it ends up wrapping up the story where you actually find out that uh, the journal that you've been reading you haven't been reading as Edith, but as her son, uh, and that uh, this is. I so I'm still unclear. Did she die during childbirth or yes. no? If you, if you look okay. at the year on her gravestone, it's 2017, which is the year of the game. It's yeah, she died in childbirth. Okay. And she even okay. says in the journal something to the effect of, um, "I hope you never read this because I hope I'm telling you these stories." But obviously, if you're reading this, it didn't go that way. So yeah, okay, yeah, um, yeah. and I think that this. In particular, especially with the uh, with the knowledge that you aren't actually Edith, uh, really kind of um, I think cements the stamp that I was thinking that the game is about legacy and and memory. Uh, I think that this little this portion definitely is like a way of acknowledging that. Uh, I, I mean, you probably put it best succinctly that the the past kind of like carries on with you. Yeah. Um, but this, I think, is the moment that I really broke down uh, because I I for sure thought that I was playing as Edith the entire game and she was just reliving entries through her journal or or something like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, when you arrive at her her grave. And you like lay the flowers down. Uh, it was just, yeah, it it hit me um, in a in a really unexpected way. I think. Yeah, it really left me to think because, you know, the whole the whole game you're 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 dealing with fear of death and um, how it's approached and all that, and yet even though kind of her parting message to her son is to not fear death. And, you know, you're not bound by this this family curse. Just live your life and all that. It's left in the context of she died young, too. Just like everyone, yeah. just like the whole family. She's, she's just another one. Um, and so it's interesting how it frames it, where it's it's kind of this... It, it really leaves you to ponder, you know, who was right in all of this? Who had the right approach? Who Who... You know, how much do you fear death all the way from not at all to all the way to being absolutely paranoid? And it's just, you know, it doesn't put a definitive answer on it. But um, I think it was a really touching way to, to wrap things up where she I mean, the, the whole reason she's writing the journal and the whole framing of it is she basically knows she knows that she's going to die. She somehow knows she's not going to meet her son, even though she has hope she will she just kind of knows it's coming and is doing what she can she's not really afraid she's just uh, you know she's gonna try to leave whatever she can for him um yeah yeah it's 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 it was a really great way to end up that wrap up that story yeah 100 percent agreed um i mean like i said it it was there were moments in this game that really kind of brought me emotionally to my knees. And, and this one, uh, really kind of 
concluded the whole thing in a really uh, meaningful way for me personally. Um, but uh, but yeah, um, I mean that's that's really how the game breaks down. Uh, so uh, why don't you uh, go ahead? And let me know what your what what are your final thoughts on what remains of Edith Finch? Uh, one thing I did want to get into that you know, didn't really fit in anywhere else. I guess I could have talked about during the you know art design and all that. But one thing I really loved was how through each of the vignettes, as you're, it's in different time periods. Um, oh yeah, and obviously yeah. the rooms are kind of frozen in time after the person dies. Um, but I thought it was really nice how like each time you're in a different area and you are able to see around the house and kind of explore little bits or even in the comic book or whatever they took the care and and time to like rearrange the furniture and put things in different places and things are a little bit cleaner or that's not broken yet or you know all this stuff and they really they put a lot of thought into this house and and it wasn't just one you know a model they kind of slapped together and then put these little things around it they really took care to make it feel like a lived-in place that was changing over time and all that um and there was something else I just I just thought of that I wanted to say and now I can't think about it. I can't I can't think of what it was. Um but yeah, this is such this is a great game. Uh like I said, I mean it's short, it's sweet. It's it 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 leaves the um it leaves you to to really ponder your own life and and your own death and everything in between. Uh, if you don't come away from this kind of wanting to know who your ancestors were, then, uh, you know, I don't know what to tell you. Um, <laughs> it's, it's, it, it really does put some things into perspective in a way that most video games don't. Um, mm -hmm. uh, and so I think for a rating, I would give this one, I mean, just a straight 10 out of 10 rubber duckies. Uh, it's, you know, just 10 rubber duckies swirling in a bathtub. Um, <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, no, this is, this is, this is such a fantastic game. Uh, it really is one that everyone should play. Um, I don't even know what, how much it costs now. It's four years old. So it's probably, you can probably get it pretty cheap if you haven't played it, but now that we've spoiled the whole thing, but yeah, right. Uh, it's still worth playing. I mean, playing it again this week for the second time, I it's, it's, it's one of those games that, when you kind of know where things are going and you know all the themes that are at play, you're 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 picking it up more and you're you're noticing more little details and all these little touches they put into the world. Um, it's a fantastic game. Yeah, yeah, I uh, I am in full agreement with you there. This game is, uh, uh, I mean, I think I said it earlier. This game is something special, um, especially uh, on a sort of like uh emotional like narrative level i think this game does something that not many other games i have ever played do um where it sets out to make you think about you know stuff that is going to end up being emotionally resonant with you and does it in a really compelling way um i i really really love this game uh I don't think that it's necessarily perfect. Um, I, I do think that some of the segments stall a little bit. Um, but I, I, I don't know that that's necessarily like a gigantic knock on the game itself. Um, 
but uh, it's more than worth your time. Uh, it's a very, very, very good game. Um, yeah, I, I, I think I probably would give it uh, probably a nine, nine out of ten rubber duckies. And I just game. looked it up. Uh, it's currently six dollars on PlayStation Store. So oh, nice! Until okay. October twenty-first, so well worth it. Um, Very well worth it. Uh, yeah, great game, great game, great game. All right. Well, uh, you know, with that all said, um, as always, you can find us on social media for all things Culture Bop Hunt, uh, Culture Bop Selects, and the Culture Bop family of content. Uh, culture bop is available on Twitter at culture underscore bop and on Instagram at culture underscore bop. Um, and on YouTube, just search up culture bop. Uh, you can find me on Twitter, um, at the bebop man one eight two on Instagram at bebop man one eight two. And eventually I'll be back on Twitch at the underscore bebop man. Um, the only thing you've got, uh, if I am, remembering this correct is the Instagram, uh, that is, um, at Gilbeasy, uh, skit. Yep. Correct. That's it. Cool. Um, well, uh, yeah, that's it. That'll do it for the end of our show. Um, thank you so much for tuning in. Oh, actually, hang on. That's not entirely correct. Um, I have, uh, I completely forgot it to put this in the outline. I'm really terrible at this. Um, we had a, a comment, uh, cause I, I wrote out a question and comment thread on our Patreon. Um, it was from our friend, uh, Jeffrey. Um, so, uh, his comment, I, I said to, you know, write down how you felt about the game or any questions or comments that you had. And, uh, he said that, um, <laughs> he Uh-oh. said that um, he's literally Peter Griffin staring at what remains of Edith Finch like, I don't get it. Um, and he said he respects the craft and the time that went into it, but at the end of the day, it sadly wasn't for him. Um, but he said that he is very glad that there is a space for games like that these days. And uh, and I I actually want to echo that with, with my rating, you know, with the, I don't, me not thinking it's perfect or whatever. This is a game that is definitely for me, but I totally understand that this is not a game for everybody, especially if you don't want to dive into the, the more, um, I don't want to say adult themes, but the more like heavy hitting themes that the game wants to, wants to bring to your attention. This guy doesn't like what remains of Edith Finch. He doesn't like Samoas. He doesn't like cashews. (laughs) I have nothing to say to this man. Damn it, Jeffrey. Damn you. Um, but now, now that is, that is definitely at the end of our show. Um, thank you for listening. Uh, remember to do the whole, you know, like subscribe thing. Tell your friends about us also. Um, that's how we get our name out there. Um, our listeners don't have friends. That, uh, you're not wrong. Question mark. Um, but, uh, yeah, so that'll do it for us. Thank you for listening again, and we will catch you next week. Until then, goodbye. This is where your story begins. I'm sorry I won't be there to see it. It's a lot to ask, 
But I don't want you to be sad that I'm gone. I want you to be amazed that any of us ever had a chance to be here at all. Good luck.